1: What's up, everybody? Wednesday night. That means Bangle podcast time from the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. I'm Anthony Cazenza, joined by John on the move, Sheeran, uh moving bachelor pads or I don't know what, whatever it is. Uh, That's a good way to put it. Yeah. 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 Uh, how, how you doing, man? How you doing for the holiday here? I know moving is always stressful. We we're talking about the, the joys of packing. Oh, God. Um, how you doing otherwise, my friend?
2: Yeah, I think I want to pull our comment section. Just type anything that you think is like personally worse in your life. Like don't don't get too serious, but like anything that's like mundane or something like inconvenience, anything in that realm that's worse than packing, because I don't the think DMV is-, is the DMV worse the DMV, yeah i I feel like that 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 could be an option if you feel so inclined (laughs) i don't think anything is beating packing especially with randall watching me do all the work and not putting in any of the effort so this might be randall's last show for a little bit because i don't know how he's gonna fit in the new digs we'll see how that setup is so if you want to like a last glance at good old Rand back there he's 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 chilling out for at least tonight
1: yeah randall's gotta start pulling his weight over there man he's got a it's got to help you out. That's that. That's, that's not good. good.
2: It's been three years, man. I don't think anything's going to change.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, good to be here in uh, right before July Fourth. Uh, just an early happy holiday to everybody. Hopefully, you enjoy yourself. Be safe. Have fun. All that good stuff. But uh, we've got some things to talk about as it pertains with the Cincinnati Bengals in the AFC North. We've got uh, a little bit of a discussion of the top 100 list that's coming out. In about a month, month and a half or so, uh, I believe it's when it's going to be unveiled on the NFL Network. And the reason being there is some chatter by a prominent player about one of the Bengals prominent players who we know is going to be on that list. So we'll talk about that a little bit. We have an interview as we have been doing and been conducting over basically the past month uh, to complete the AFC North preview. We have Jeff Lloyd of the Locked on Browns podcast joining us. So that'll be that'll be fun. I mean, there's absolutely no drama going on with the Cleveland Browns, John. So Nothing very, very uninteresting team. Uh, and then we'll do a little remember when and get on out of here. But as always, you can get the show on your favorite audio podcast platform: iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all of the major ones. We are there. And of course, if you like the video right beneath John and by that SB Nation logo, there is an Orange and or Black Insider podcast logo you can click on that icon to subscribe click the bell to be notified when we go live when new content is available you also got to give a thumbs up on the cincy jungle facebook page 80 plus thousand of you like that like that bad boy you can also catch the live streams on the cincy jungle twitter account and our own twitter account so subscribe like do all the things you got to do to get access to this show and we want to hear from you as well so We, uh, as always, appreciate the support. As we mentioned before we get to Jeff Lloyd and the Locked On Browns look at that team as it pertains to the AFC North, John, Uh, a couple of LSU guys were, were in the headlines recently. Actually, like three of them were in the headlines recently because one was talking about one who's on the Bengals, and then compared him to another LSU Tiger, and that is Tyron Matthew talking about Jamar Chase and then later comparing him to OBJ. Um, I guess let's kind of start with the fact that we know that Jamar Chase is going to be on the top 100 list as a rookie, obviously an absolutely outstanding rookie campaign. But um, where do you think he lands, Jamar Chase, and what did you think of that comparison to OBJ? I talked about it a little bit on the Happening Headlines, and I was kind of like, yeah, it's a compliment but which OBJ are we talking about? Are we talking about early OBJ, are we talking about now? I I didn't quite know how to fully take that.
2: Well, I feel like with with Matthew cuz I'm trying to think here. He was 2013. So he I think played he, maybe one year. Yeah, they played together I think. Yeah. yeah. So obviously he's got a soft spot and a, l- a little bias for him, but the entire NFL saw how I don't think a lot of people remember just how dominant Odell Beckham Jr was in like his first 3 years with the Giants. Sure. Eli Manning, Eli Manning was good. He wasn't like this elite quarterback by any means and OBJ was like averaging 1500 yards and like 13 touchdowns a year for the first 3 years. He was easily one of the 3 4 best receivers in the league at that time and you know, a lot of people remember that one handed to catch and just his hands in general, but his just explosion, his speed with the ball in his hands, like it was it, at, at a certain point unrivaled in the NFL. And I feel like that's the main takeaway that I think Tyron had with chase when he played them the first time he talked about like the, the first touchdown, the first of three touchdowns that chase had in that game at that, clinched the AFC North, he quote, I remember he caught a ball on us. It was like a 10 yard out. It was really just supposed to be a drive starter. He took it 80 yards to the crib. He outran everyone. He had like 200 at halftime. It was embarrassing. And then he started off. Saying I hate to compare people, but he's like Odo Beckham Jr. 2.0. And as someone who has seen OBJ's career start at LSU and then the entirety of it through New York and then through Cleveland and then winning a Super Bowl with the Rams, like he's obviously very intimately familiar with the skill set that OBJ had at his peak. And I think he just sees that in Chase. He don't he not only sees that, but he thinks he's a more advanced, enhanced version of him. And I think he came into the league a little bit younger. beckham did he's uh, i think a little bit bigger too because beckham was 5'11, 193 195 coming into the league chase a little bit more dense he's got maybe an inch on him in height so yeah i I can definitely see the comparison for being that same explosive athlete with those strong hands but also just me maybe more of a physical player that maintains that same insane acceleration and and explosion and anything i just think it's really it really will be a testament for not only chase but just the entire Bengals team to just earn that respect from guys like Matthew on really good teams because of how well the Bengals did. And that's going to be a much refreshing change compared to recent years when the Bengals weren't doing as well. Big
1: drought on the top 100 list for the Bengals for sure. Uh, Now, what was interesting, I I believe on last year's top 100 list, the Bengals – had a player that was coming to them and Trey Hendrickson that made the list, right? I think he was on that list uh, a little bit towards the back end of it, but now you have it. Obviously we've talked about Jamar Chase making the list. You would assume that Joe Burrow is going to make the list. I'm thinking Trey Hendrickson's going to make it again, right? Because of his Pro Bowl type of campaign this year, DJ Reader, Shadowy a woozy. I mean, where? How many are we thinking that's got, that are going to make this this team? And are we gonna are we gonna make this a popularity contest? Which, by the way, now the Bengals' popularity contest, their popularity has risen based on what they did last year. Still not to the level maybe where it should be or the respect level that it should be. But is it going to be that popularity contest, or are they going to look at the stats, the metrics, and kind of the the pieces that this team? amassed really over the past couple of years and see what they did last year.
2: So I do think multiple angles I at the bare minimum you have Chase and Burrow making the list just because there's just immense respect around the league for those two guys. One did as a rookie, one did it coming off of a horrific knee injury. Obviously immense respect. What people have to remember though is this list is compiled and these interviews are taken I think during the season, like no later than I think mid-December. So the majority of of these um votes and like the interviews They're happening like the fall. So this was I think before you know the Bengals became like the favorites to win the division. They were still like five and two at one point. They beat the Ravens. They had like that that mini, I guess, hype train in October. So maybe that will benefit them as well. But this is before they went on that postseason run. I think this is before uh they beat the Chiefs again, they beat the Titans and everything like that. Um I think with I guess Matthew, he was talking about like the the week 16 or week 17 game. So you know it goes a little bit later to that. But yeah, I think with Hendrickson, just because he went back to back seasons with a high number of sacks, he beat a lot of high quality tackles in order to do that. There's there's just the level of respect that I think the other players will have for a guy like that. And just in general with with how well the team was doing during the year, I think that will greatly impact you know how many of these guys make the list. Because unfortunately it's only like 20 players who get on a single, a given player's ballot and rarely the 20 like truly best players in the NFL. So unfortunately there is a lot of popularity in it, but I think it does come down to ultimately respect. These are the best players in the NFL. They're going only going to respect others who I guess put in the same amount of work and really make that same amount of impact. And just because you had Burrow and chase really changing the course of these games and grinding out wins like that, that will earn them respect. To, to me, Anthony, the biggest ones that I'm questioning are like T. Higgins and Joe Mixon because both of them have the production. Both of them made highlight real plays. They had great performances in the Super Bowl. I don't know how much of that Super Bowl is going to matter. It should, but again, I don't. we don't know exactly when these votes are counted and if the, if the playoffs will have an impact on that. So I think maybe fans are expecting like in the, in the range of five to six players and you know, we can make a case for them, but I think two to three to maybe four, is this more safe projection. And that's just because this was the first year that the Bengals were really good. And maybe there are some players who are like, yeah, it was fun for one year, but let's see if they can do it again.
1: I think Mixon makes it on this list. I think just the production and, you know, for for a lot of people around the league that aren't intimately familiar with the Bengals, you know, a player like that, if he gets on the list, they may highlight the resume and go, wow, yeah, this guy's had you know, a lot of thousand yard seasons. He's actually a lot better receiver than a lot of people give him credit for. I don't know about Higgins because I don't, you know, are, are they going to put both the receivers on there? I, I just don't know. Um, You know, I mean, there's, there's cases to be made for, like I said, a lot of players, a Wouzier's year was more predicated on, you know, PFF scores and, and different kind of more in-depth metrics as opposed to, you know, interception machine or what have you. So I don't know if play, you know, if players are going to recognize that and, you know, the same goes for some other players as well on, on this team, you know, does, does Logan Wilson get a shot because of his year? And and especially early in the season, does his injury hurt him? Kind of, kind of all depends, but yeah, I mean, I would assume that a guy like Joe Mixon at least would make this list based on the year he had last year. And then people just go, you know, they take notice and they say, you know, this guy's been quietly a good player just on some really bad teams.
2: To me, I'm really interested to see who is ranked higher between Chase and Burrow because those are the two that we're most confident are going to make it. But just listening to what Matthew said about Chase, you have to feel like it's it's beyond just the LSU connection. It's There is a genuine high level of respect for what both of these guys did. One who didn't play last year coming out of college, one again who came back from injury. I, I think that is really going to elevate Burrow to, to a spot on this list where I think it's going to be higher than the general public expects, because obviously he played like a top five quarterback last year. But again, it was his first full season. It was his first really good year in the NFL. Maybe some people wouldn't try to pump the brakes and maybe not put him too high too early. But the fact that he did all of that behind that bad offensive line, those guys know the context of how impressive his season was with all the variables that he had to deal with. And I really think that's going to matter, honestly, Anthony. I, I think he's going to be in like the top thirty, like I, maybe top twenty-five, and that might be a little you're high s- for some people. But you're saying Chase Burrow, sorry, Burrow,
1: Burrow. Yeah. Okay, um, I, I yeah, I I don't disagree. I I think I think he opened some eyes, and I think just based on the fact that what he did last year, coming off of the injury, and I think a lot of people, while they they say you know, oh, obviously Chase, you know, really provided a new dimension and really kind of you know, was a guy a little bit that Burrow leaned on. I, I, I just, dude, I'm telling you, I've been golfing with guys I just met, you know, like I, I go with one friend and some of their friends. And so we talk and obviously I've got, you know, either a bengal hat on or something going on. And I'm telling you, every single person is like Joe Burrow, man, yeah. Joe Burrow, you know, it, it, so when, when, you know, the kind of, I don't want to call them the casual, but, you know, a a casual or another, not necessarily a Bengals fan when they sit there and they recognize exactly all of what Burrow did and how this team seemed to just kind of get on his back late in the year, get in the playoffs, and then obviously it just came together more and more to get him to the Super Bowl. I I just, I I don't disagree. I think he's going to be well within that top 50 and, and maybe a lot higher than a lot of people anticipate. But the big question, John. Does Burrow outrank Justin Herbert on this list <laughs> in your in your
2: estimation? I I think he does honestly. I think he does. Um, just like probably making the playoffs might matter to some of these guys too. Um, but again, like I think they see more than just just the things that obviously Herbert does better than Burrow, like the the gifted athleticism and the strength and the arm power, like that matters. But I think to these guys. Sometimes it's it's, it leads to maybe not the best analysis, but in terms of like what counts for these votes, I think it is that level of respect and admiration for what a guy in his second year is doing. I think all of that context adds up to a ranking that is going to be higher than most, if not like ninety five percent of the other quarterbacks. I do think he's higher than Herbert.
1: Yeah. So over under four Bengals on the on the top one
2: hundred. I'm gonna Burrow Chase, Hendrickson. I'm Mixon would probably be the fourth, and I don't. I'm not sure I'm gonna put Mixon in there. Like I could easily make an argument for Wozier for Reader. I think they both have Mm -hmm. deserving cases. Higgins as well. Mm -hmm. I don't think, unfortunately, any of those three are gonna make it. Mixon has the best chance out of the other the other options. I'm gonna say. Under, I'm going to say three. It's going to be lower than most fans want or expect, but I think three is still fine based off of how they were last year.
1: Yeah, I, I I might go push. I think that's I think that's right at the number there. That's why I said it. Um, I don't. I, I think that that number four is probably where it's going to be at. Wouldn't surprise me if maybe another one sneaks on there, but we will see. Again, uh, we and we'll be covering that on Cincy Jungle yeah. as well on in terms of who makes that list and what. People say what the – because there's also a reaction show and we'll talk about all of that stuff on CincyJungle.com. So you got to keep it there for your news, opinions, analysis, and obviously your podcast. So that being said, we are going to bring in Jeff Lloyd from Locked On Bengals. Um, You may see a little bit of a wardrobe change from John and myself. Uh, That's because, yeah, this wasn't uh, done right now, but nevertheless – we enjoyed our chat with him, John. Uh, good good talk with with Jeff Lloyd and a guy that, um, you know, knows a lot of stuff, obviously, about the, the Browns and uh, just one of those great additions on the Locked On Network. So uh, we will be playing this for you here. Enjoy.
2: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to
1: wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. Alright, so as we have teased over the better part of a week or so, and to help us wrap up our AFC North Divisional Preview, perhaps the most interesting team, the most intriguing team within the division uh, looking outward. We're just saying something from the Cincinnati Bengals just coming off a of Super Bowl, birth, but the Cleveland Browns have a lot of things going on. They are a little bit of a mystery to summon. to help us unravel that mystery, we have Mr. Jeff Lloyd of the Locked On Browns podcast, part of that great network. Jeff, how you doing, man? Thanks for making the time and hanging out with us.
0: Uh, we're good, uh, and you know, thanks, John. Thanks, Anthony, for having me here. Um, it's been weird, uh, obviously, here the way it's been constructed now for the last two months. I mean, as much as you know, any podcast, you literally just want to talk about your team and you know the, the changes that have been made and you know what you're looking forward to. Um, I think most Browns fans and I myself included my co-host Garrett Bush it feels like we're kind of in a you know it's like all right do we have a certain legal point we need to speak about in today's episode um nobody wants to talk about it but it's the elephant in the room and you know hopefully maybe Tuesday or sometime this week we'll start to get some resolution to what exactly and I think everybody kind of knows what's I, I mean nobody's blind everybody knows the situation But I think it's just the point now where everybody would like to find out what the resolution is. You know, what kind of time is Deshaun Watson going to miss? And this will be where we can now take our focus as far as covering this team.
1: Yeah, we've, I mean, we've talked about it on our show uh, in a couple of different types of episodes, whether it's our kind of whip around the league for some headline stuff and obviously just kind of talking about things on our, on our more, our window and what it's kind of. It is the elephant. I mean, you got to talk about it a little bit, I guess, with whatever, however much or little detail I guess you want to give with certain things going on. But obviously, your gut feeling on what this is looking like with Deshaun Watson, at least for this year. I mean, you you heard things, oh, maybe it's six games, maybe it's eight games. And now over the past few days and late last week, you were talking about, you know, hearing about a substantial amount of time, potentially far more than that, that he could miss. I mean, what's your, what's your gut feeling? What, what's reading the tea leaves here? What, what, what is that looking like?
0: I don't think he's going to miss the entire 2022 season. I I just don't. Um, The way this is going to work on the NFL Players Association side is, look, they're going to say, yes, we understand he got paid last year, but he didn't play last year. So they're going to try to say and try to work for a, hey, there's some time served here. Um, The NFL Players Players Association, and this is where it's going to be interesting because J.C. Shredder, the former Cleveland Browns center, is now literally Mm. going to go stand there and bat, for the current Cleveland Browns quarterback, who he has, you know, minimal relationship with other than, hey, we both play the NFL with each other from that regards. Um, you look at Dan Snyder. How has an owner like Dan Snyder never been asked to walk away for a while? Um, and this is the thing that the Players Association is, is going to bring up. Um, I think the Players Association is going to go in this way. We understand that there is a suspension coming. But I think they are going to fight tooth and nail to understand that it is it shouldn't be to the point of an entire season because there have been incidents like this in the NFL and you know with some ownership and the precedent wasn't set there. So why all of a sudden this, you know, Deshaun Watson and look, this isn't a question for any of us thinking about, you know, judging these acts. It's not. It's about what the league views, how the league does business. And I think at the end of the day, the NFL would rather not see Deshaun Watson sit for a calendar year. Um, The NFL is all about, you know, dollar signs. And, you know, Deshaun Watson being the quarterback for the Cleveland Browns, making the AFC North a better division. The AFC, obviously, there are so many eyes on the AFC and the potential of what this conference can do in the NFL with this season. I, I just don't see a way it's going to be an entire season. If you tell me it's going to be half, you tell me it may be 10. I think that can happen. I just don't see a way it's going to be all 17.
2: So I, I think it's, it's fascinating like the process of how like Watson came to be in Cleveland because it was like the final four teams. And then there was another team along with Cleveland, I think offered him or would have offered him the contract that he accepted. But at the end of the day, like there was a report from the athletic that stated like he you know, really hit it off with Stefanski, the front office, and he really liked the direction of where the roster is going. So, in the, in the scenario that Watson is suspended, let's say like six to eight games, that's six to eight weeks where pre- presumably Jacoby Brissett is the quarterback. And how do you feel about this iteration of the roster compared to last year potentially you know, having to play with a middling quarterback or quarterback that's not really going to enhance the team? Because unfortunately, that's what the Browns had to deal with last year when Baker Mayfield was hurt and he just wasn't himself. And they were still in the playoff race for basically the entire season.
0: Well, the first thing you would look at is, you know, and and this is where I think Baker had his difficulties last year. And it's a little bit different for Baker Mayfield last year, being the quarterback of this team, and maybe Jacoby Brissett having to do it for six, eight, maybe ten games this year. You t- you can't tell a player of Baker Mayfield's ilk where he was drafted number one overall. Don't lose the game. Y- you just don't speak that way to to a guy who was a number one overall pick. Jacoby Brissett, it's a whole different ball of wax, obviously. The one thing you're going to say to Jacoby Brissett is look at what we have on defense. Nine games last year, we held opponents to 16 points or less. So turnovers, it's crucial. We cannot have them. Even points that we left on the field last year, we went out. We drafted who we think was the best kicker in this draft. Just get the ball down the field. Get us inside the 30. Obviously, we're hoping to score touchdowns. But we'll be okay with field goals. Just keep getting us positive drives. Jacoby Brissett, there was a stretch for the Indianapolis Colts where there was a time where it was 18 touchdowns and four interceptions over a certain amount of period. So he's capable of just moving the offense. Is he going to do anything close to what Deshaun Watson, they think he's going to do? No. Are you going to game plan a lot different? Are you going to call plays a lot different? I think another huge factor in all of this is Kareem Hunt didn't play nine games last season for the Cleveland Browns. If Kale- Kareem Hunt plays those nine games, I think the Browns do backdoor their way into the playoffs last year. He's such a valuable piece to this team as a receiver, as a runner, still here. You still have Nick Chubb. Uh, not much changes on, not many changes on the offensive line. The wide receiver room, I think you've gotten to the point with the wide receiver room where its it is – the, the correct word maybe it's drama free perhaps and even Jarvis Landry to his own fault a lot of times he was the story when he didn't necessarily be the story Amari Cooper is a much more unassuming guy um and let's put it this way over the last couple of years of Odell Beckham Jr. of Jarvis Landry of Amari Cooper who was the best receiver on the field it's a hand down it's a no-brainer it was Amari Cooper simple in that regards. Um, so these are just things, but I really think that this is a team with the way they are built on the offensive line with their running game and with what this defense could be. Look, they are already nine deep in the secondary before they even open camp. If you were a guy going to camp as a defensive back for the, the Cleveland Browns, you were hoping maybe you were the 10th defensive back. Um, they are deep at linebacker, they're deep at defensive end, uh, all the premium positions on the defensive side of the ball. This team is built defensively that they can sustain it. First four games are very winnable, regardless of who the quarterback of this team is. Then you get into that stretch after that first four where you know there's teams, Chargers, Patriots, that the Browns had it- issues with last year. But these games now will be in Cleveland this year. Um, you have a lot of defensive players who have seen both of these teams previously. So maybe so much not new when you're going to go play these teams. This team is built to contend. They're built to maybe challenge for the division with Deshaun Watson, but they are built to contend either way for a wild card spot, regardless
1: of who the quarterback is for maybe the first 10 games. Talking with Jeff Lloyd of the Locked on Browns podcast does a great job on that podcast as do the many, many hosts in that network. Uh, Happy to be chatting about the Cleveland Browns and previewing the, the finale of the AFC North here. I, I'm going to ask, you know, I want to talk about the receivers. I want to talk about the draft class. I want to talk about all kinds of different things if, if you've got time, but I'm going to, I'm gonna, since I'm the resident dummy here, I'm going to ask the dumb question. <laughs> is there any reality that exists wherein Baker Mayfield is still a Brown this next year, maybe play snaps for him this year. If Deshaun Watson gets, you know, a, a mega suspension handed to him, um, you know, if they're all, obviously the trade partners have dwindled since after the draft and free agency and all that kind of stuff. I mean, is there any kind of scenario that you could foresee where Baker Mayfield is around this year, take snaps for him, anything like that?
0: Uh, I think the easiest way to put this was, I think we, the, the three of us had the same odds of pulling the mega millions ticket, um, you know, tomorrow. <laughs> Look, it, it, it's just, it's not a way it works. I mean, you know, And, you know, for all that went on and, you know, Baker's reaction and everybody, oh, I can't believe he's reacting this way. Well, you tell somebody, basically, you're not good enough. We think we can do better. And then Baker Mayfield's saying, well, then trade me. Well, well, who wouldn't? I mean, who wouldn't? You basically told the guy to his face, here's a list of quarterbacks that we think are better than you. We're going to do everything we can to acquire them, and we'll figure out what our relationship is with you. I mean – it's that. I mean, there's no more over than that, you know, and I kind of equate it to, you know, the old line of dating when somebody suggests to the other one, maybe we should see other people, which means the person who suggested it either already has phone numbers or has already started seeing other people. It's over. <laughs> it's a finality. That's the end of it. Um, why has it gone on this long, Baker Mayfield not being able to do anything this entire time? How, uh, if you're a team like the Carolina Panthers or Seattle Seahawks, do you bring in Baker Mayfield? Injured, not going to take any, do anything through OTAs. But meanwhile, you have young guys working saying, look, oh, we got faith in you. We want to see what you can do. But none of it matters because there's our quarterback, even though we can't do anything right now. I mean, look, it is as over as over can be. And for me, it's difficult because, you know, the fact that the Browns are even a talking point right now is due a lot to what Baker Mayfield did in this play. Maybe more in 18, certainly more in 2020. But as far as what he did to take this franchise from being the absolute laughing stock of the NFL and make them a relevant franchise. So, you know, I I understand. And, you know, I'm not going to say in any way they upgraded their play at the quarterback position by bringing in Deshaun Watson. I'm not a fool, you know, but there is some difficulty. And and nobody wants to basically be told, we think you're good, but you're not good enough. And that's essentially what this came down to.
2: I think it's a. Very interesting dynamic from a Bengals fan's perspective because I think there's a little bit of resentment about Baker because of how successful he's been against the Bengals <laughs> specifically. But also it's like you see him against the 30 other teams and it's like it's almost like it's a completely different person. From your perspective, like the last three years where Baker's 6-0 or whatever his record is against the Bengals, how was like, like – you know, breaking that down compared to the other 90% of the Baker Mayfield games. This is the Brown games that you've seen in general. Because it's not just Baker. It's the entire team that really pops off, pops off against this team right now. Well, I mean, 2018,
0: this was a team that played extremely well. I mean, you went from 0-16 to 7-8-1. That is solid, solid play. I mean, that is a major turnaround for any team to go 0-16 to 7-8-1. 2020, and the weirdest thing about 2020 was, I mean, you know, you were talking the time with no OTAs. Training camp due to COVID was so different. You know, when the Browns, Browns went out week one, went to Baltimore, Baltimore and it went very, very poorly. But, but they came back, back that Thursday, Thursday night. Uh, and the Pangles, their new franchise quarterback, quarterback. The Browns had a day. Um, and and there's, there, was there was the, the go good of Baker Mayfield, there was the bad of Baker Mayfield. And I, I think, as much as you guys are guys maybe viewing it versus the Pangles, I think it's maybe more of, you know, seasons 2018, he was fantastic. 2020, he was really, really good to the point where. There were a lot of metrics with one you chose to use. Baker Mayfield played like a top 10 quarterback within the league. Um, did he do himself any favors last year playing injured? Certainly not. Um, you know, is Baker always the kind of guy that, oh man, I threw an interception and he would find a way to score 13 points on the next drive. When everybody knows that's you know, obviously inconceivable and there's no way to do it, but he would try to outplay what even he could do. Those are situations. He certainly got himself into. Um, uh, but against the Bengals, I mean, this is you know one thing. I even said it, you know, as you know, last year as your guys' playoff run went on, and it was you know, well, how are you know now? I guess we're measuring ourselves against the Cincinnati Bengals. Well, no, I mean, they, they match up really well. That's one team within the AFC where they don't really seem to have an issue with. They match up very well with the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll see if it holds true for the future here. Um, But you know, whether it was you know pass rush, whether it was you know the Bengals having a hard time with the Browns' running game or Baker Mayfield that week in Cincinnati last year, because that was one of the tough things. It was like, well, if you wanted to play the he's a hurt card, oh, well, he's hurt, well, he's hurt. There were a couple of games. The Chargers game was won last year. Certainly the Bengals game on the road against you last year It was like, well, we can't use the he's hurt excuse every week because there's weeks where he's played really well, and I'm sure he was just as in much pain. I'm sure the injury was still there. It was like he wasn't magically healed for three and a half hours to go out and play the game. So that's what made it really, really, you know, difficult as far as trying to judge exactly the way he played last year. And then once the team got up against it, you know, he just tried to put everything on him. You know, sometimes there were drops. OK, so he would try to make up for it by making up for it. He would make up for it with a couple of poor passes that led to even more interceptions. Just, you know, basically something went down a bad road and he certainly didn't help the team from it getting any better.
1: It just went further and further down the road. Jeff, you you hit it at some of the drama being removed from the wide receiver wide receiver room uh, uh, earlier this year in in variety of forms. I can remember uh, covering the team. I you know, so I started covering the team in 2011, where the Bengals themselves moved off of Chad and To and transitioned into AJ Green and a lot of mid round picks, young guys, all that sort of thing. It kind of feels not to the same degree, I guess, but there's a little bit of a similarity there that I'm reading with Cooper now in there, big name guy, first first round pick, good player. And then you've got, you know, Schwartz and some draft picks and other Donovan Peoples-Jones who's flashed here and there. Um, this has kind of been one of the major position groups in transition for the Browns. I mean, they're, they're set in a lot of different areas. What's What's everything looking like here in the wide receiver group and with now – kind of an influx quarterback situation as well.
0: Well, this was going to happen this year anyway. Uh, the majority of the major money of Odell Beckham Jr. and Jarvis Landry was set to expire at the end of the 2021 season. So most likely major changes were coming. Um, Donovan Peoples-Jones, he had a tremendous summer last year. And, you know, everybody, you know, once Odell missed the first couple of weeks and Jarvis, you know, unfortunately kind of dinged up and never was, you know, to be able to play like the player Jarvis Landry was, Um everybody just thought Donovan Peoples Jones was going to go out and, you know, have this incredible year um for being a former sixth round pick. We had sixteen receptions as a rookie. Maybe that wasn't exactly, you know, an adequate fair um, road to believe that Donovan Peoples-Jones was going to travel. Um, certainly the inefficiency, the injuries of Baker Mayfield certainly did not help Donovan Peoples-Jones in any way whatsoever. Uh, there was some time miss. Uh, you know, he got hurt before Thursday night game against the Denver Broncos. Um, but he looks like, and even still, do I think we're talking about a player that could be, you know, that 75, 900%, you know, 900 yards. I don't think maybe he's going to be that guy. But he's a vertical threat, as obviously the Bengal fans know. This is what he does best. Um, it's kind of interesting with Donovan. The one thing, and he tested extremely well throughout the draft process, they never found a way to get a three cone on him. Donovan Peoples-Jones, the shorter routes, is just it's just not where he excels. So there's kind of a card when you play against Donovan Peoples-Jones. You understand vertical is his thing. Now they've gone the other route. You bring in a a tremendous player in Anthony Schwartz coming out of Auburn, missed a bunch of time as a a rookie, but short, quick, deep speed. This type of player can do those type of things. David Bell has been a fantastic acquisition as a third-round pick to this point. There is literally like Browns beat reporters trying to find at least one drop pass, even in just like a meaningless standstill drill to this point, and nobody has it. Didn't test as an elite athlete during the draft process. Um, but 90 receptions last year, that was more production than guys who got drafted above him, had their entire college career, not just their final year in college. David Bell seems to be a player that they, they, they seem really, really high on, does the dirty work, can run the underneath routes, the stuff you're looking for, third and five, third and four, third and six to move the chains. And Amari Cooper, it's just a very unassuming guy, not very much of a social media presence. Um, just going to come in and for him now gotten himself in a position where Dallas there was a lot of talented guys um and for the Browns it was well I can get him for a 5th round pick we're going to convert most of that money to a signing bonus anyway so it's not really going to affect our cap yeah this is a guy to come in here and it might be the perfect type of receiver who brings the same type of skill set the same type of production expectations but nothing that you got from an Odell Beckham Jr or a Jarvis Landry and this should bode well if in when Deshaun Watson gets to take a snap for the Browns or with a player like Jacoby Brissett, who it's going to have to be a team effort to get success done. It's not going to be on the quarterback. I threw it. You should have been there. That type of thing. Everybody's going to have to be lockstep for this passing game to work until Deshaun comes back.
2: Yeah. We need to find out if Amari Cooper also has a dad who's on Instagram, you know, j- j- just to be safe. likes to post videos, <laughs> likes to post yeah. videos the wrong way, the wrong way too. <laughs> <laughs> talking to Jeff Lloyd, who covers the Browns exquisitely on Locked on Browns check that out wherever you get your podcast Jeff you mentioned the defense earlier very strategically I might add because you left out one position group that has been a talking (laughs) point for the Browns in in, at least the past year it is a really stacked defense everywhere else except defensive tackle and I'm honestly just really curious as to what that plan has been like in terms of like a roster construction point like what are the names that Browns fans are going to be counting on this year to, I guess, develop because unfortunately it's, it seems like it's just a bunch of young guys and a lot of question marks.
0: I think the one player, as far as, you know, somebody to maybe looking to step up in that room, it's gotta be Tommy Togia. He came with a lot of promise out of Ohio state. I think at the time, everybody was kind of surprised when he did declare out of Ohio state, everybody kind of thought maybe, you know, look, there's a lot of guys on that defense. Maybe he needed to stick around for one more year to maybe, you know, become the man. And that's something you, every, you know most players need to do within college because it's not usually something that develops within the NFL. Played sparingly as a rookie. There were some bright spots. Um, but the Browns, this is a team that is predicated on speed and getting athletes on, on the field. Joe Woods, with, if he could, and they would probably let him, he would play probably nickel as his base defense. The Browns, you know, they're like, well, we'll get you a line back. That can play like safeties. That's why we got you, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. They want to play the speed game. Um, it, will it be times where it's going to hurt them as far as you know short yarded situations? If a player like Tommy Tugia doesn't step up, yeah, it is. But I, I think what they're also thinking is, is you know the way we've constructed this offense based on Deshaun Watson being our quarterback for the foreseeable future, we're going to be in a lot more high scoring games. So it shouldn't come down to a third and one here or a fourth and goal here. Because I think with their eyes, they're going to start playing games more similar to what we saw of the Bills and the Chiefs in the playoffs last year, where you know our offense is going to put up a ton of points. And, you know, if that's going to be the case and we feel we're going to be a winning team, we're going to be in the position where we can play nickel and dime a lot, where we're going to have to play nickel and dime a lot because we're going to be playing with the lead and teams are going to be trying to chase us. Um, do I think they are done in that room? Maybe not. I, I don't think they're done. Um, And this is, I I mean, I've been guilty of this. So many people that cover the Browns have been guilty of this, trying to find this 325 pound, this 330 pound. Who's the guy that is, you know, basically the brick wall there in these situations. Um, I'm done. I'm done trying to do this because obviously it's not something they are looking necessarily to do. Do I think they're done in that room yet? I probably don't think they're done in that room yet, but I don't think the name at the end of the day is all of a sudden going to say, that's it. The Browns all of a sudden address the defensive tackle room. Haha, <laughs> after six years, we told everybody we've got the guy. I don't think it's gonna work that way. Is somebody possibly gonna come in? I think there's a good chance of that. I don't think it's gonna be a groundbreaking move by any chance, though.
1: Jeff, I'm gonna pull up the uh, and hopefully you've got a couple more minutes if you don't mind. I'm I'm being a not a nice guy and assuming that you're good on time. But if you if you need to <laughs> if you need to jet, please, please let us know. This is from Brown's wire of the USA today network this graphic here, the draft class here. We've talked about a couple of the, uh, you know, the wide receivers and whatnot. Um, you know, I, I think one of the names that is intriguing there is Perry and Winfrey. I think some Bengals fans and pundits kind of picked him as a guy that maybe um, would have would have fit well with the Bengals. Obviously, the Browns had to wait, uh, far, you know, a lot longer than a lot of other teams did to make some picks. But uh, what did you make of the draft class? And you mentioned the kicker as well, Cade York. I guess, you know, we're we're so high on the Bengals and so high on things, uh, everything they did, especially last year. I mean, is the Evan McPherson bug, uh, do you think that played any kind of impact on the Browns and seeing what a young kicker did for that team? And the Browns maybe looking at that saying, hey, we got to get a, a good young big leg kicker as well that, that can maybe win a couple of games at the last second for us.
0: I think the, the thought process with a player like York is, is, look, we've been trying this, we've been going the veteran route um let's bring in a younger guy somebody we can groom understand there could maybe be you know some hiccups coming out of the gate um but the other thing is you know the browns had a ton of draft picks and regardless of how they finished last year there's not a lot of room for there wasn't a lot of room for draft picks to make this team um so that was also part of it so why don't you use a pick on a guy that you know is going to be a part of the team in 2022. Perrion Winfrey certainly is going to have his opportunities, but Perrion Winfrey, the one thing you saw of him at Oklahoma and the style that he played, he was much more of a player that could assist in pass rush. Um, I think the Browns obviously are hoping for more out of him, that that quick first step, um, the, the ability to you know, basically drive through a gap between a, you know, a center and a guard can translate into helping with the run defense. The two of the picks that get me really, really excited are Alex Wright out of UAB and Isaiah Thomas out Isaiah Thomas out of Oklahoma mm. State. Alex Wright never truly got to test. So we don't have much on him. The tape at UB UAB showed well. Isaiah Thomas tested really, really well. Both guys, six foot five, two seventy. Hey, guess what? Miles Garrett, Jadavian Clowney, 6'5, 270. Um, you know, size, athleticism, both these players bring that. Um, uh, I think Isaiah Thomas, even though he was drafted much later, might be the guy who could contribute a little bit more early just due to the fact that Isaiah Thomas played better competition. He's more disciplined in the role as far as setting the edge, things you would expect, you know, from a second defensive end and, uh, you know, first and 10, those type of situations. Jerome Ford is interesting because Jerome Ford, if you watch some of Cincinnati tape, you kind of get some Nick Chubb vibes because he was just one guy and you would see open yardage and it would be nothing special. It would be 110 miles an hour towards the open hole. And, you know, somebody there trying to juke him. Um, you know, So he was, you know, he was a, a solid player at Cincinnati in that respect. I mean, it's going to be interesting how it works because the Browns will have Nick Chubb. They will have Kareem Hunt. They have De'arnest Johnson. They have Jerome Ford. They have Dimitri Felton, all these running backs going to camp. I don't know how it's going to work that they're going to be able to keep all of them because even if you say Felton, oh well, they play some wide receiver. That's a deep room over there as well now um, with some of the you know moves that were made within the draft situ- within the draft. So it's certainly interesting how it plays out. Um, Winfrey and the thing that you kind of like about Perry and Winfrey is he's got like the WWE attitude to him right now. He's the talker. He's got that type of style to him. Uh, you know, he's ready to go. You really hope it pans out. Otherwise, there's going to be a guy flapping his gums and nothing really comes out of it. Um, and the thing with Martin Emerson is, with Martin Emerson, the first selection, and keep in mind, the Browns moved out of the second round all the way into the third round to make their first selection. You know, Denzel Ward, as much as he's a great cornerback, he's a little bit more on the smaller side. So when Denzel Ward tries to get physical, it sometimes ends up to Denzel Ward missing a little time. Martin Emerson is a guy that probably – at some point in his career, would end up in the safety position. He's, he gets his nose dirty, loves to be physical, whether it's within coverage, whether it's within, you know, trying to fight off blocking, whether it's in run support. He's a fun player. And to think, you know, for the Browns, the first selection they made in this draft is the guy right now who's coming into camp as the fifth cornerback. Um, whatever you want to say about this team last year and the failures they had on the field, the roster is good. There, there is a lot of solid players on this team gotta make it translate though
2: that's true um jeff final question from me to you would be i guess i mean it's it's obviously rare for a quarterback of watson's caliber to be moved and to change teams in the prime of his career it's just that like when i think of the browns like they're always synonymous for a lot of cap space and unfortunately questions at the quarterback beyond (laughs) this year both those things are the complete opposite right so now you have lead quarterback in Watson who will presumably well, he will play in Cleveland at some point and then you're looking at next year you're tied up against the cap and it's just like that's a huge contract to kind of deal with I guess from your perspective now that you have that there's the quarterback there and like the team is in complete win now mode and there's no like you know more you know, you know stacking assets and having all this cap space how's that like transition I guess been for you and maybe for some other Browns fans that you kind of know
0: well it it is interesting um, you know the fact that you know this is now a team where we're talking about a whole bunch of high priced players but keep in mind when you're talking about Denzel Ward when you're talking about Nick Chubb when you're talking about Miles Garrett these are their players so it's not like they went out you know brought in these you know free agents who are now high priced free agents and first thing you're going to look at though next year Miles Garrett goes into year 2 of his contract extension next year Nick Chubb goes into year 2 of his contract extension so guess what? They're going to make a million dollars and everything else there is going to be turned into signing bonuses. You're going to start going the way of the New Orleans Saints. You know, the old kick it down the road type of thing, um, you know, because they're going to have to do a lot of that. And this will depend. And this word where it kind of does get tricky with Deshaun Watson because Deshaun Watson is on the cap for 2022 at $10 million. If it comes out and Deshaun Watson were suspended for all of 2022, guess what? Deshaun Watson is on the cap for 2023 at? 10 million dollars so it will still be it would be the same deal which all of a sudden would put the browns in a big big solid financial situation as far as having extra money in 2023 um it's certainly you know different for the way it has worked out um but you know part of that is on you know the past regimes you brought in good players um and you did enough and you know you did just enough with 2018 with 2020 to find a way for these players to want to commit and stick to cleveland and i think that's kind of a a testament to what's gone on here uh as opposed to some other things you know i mean with the season falling apart last year nick chubb stayed got extended wyatt teller got extended joe batonio signed yet another contract extension you were able to just get denzel ward extended you know after the 2021 season was over these players still believe they they still have a tremendous belief in what is going on um, granted, for some of these players, they didn't see much early in their career. So maybe shot, finally seeing a sign of something positive, something that looks like it's sustainable, was enough. But, I mean, credit to them. A lot of these players could have said, look, you know, after you know, one year good, one year bad, one year good, one year bad, you know, maybe I'll go somewhere else or I'm looking to get out.
1: But, you know, for all intents and purposes, all these players seem to be satisfied being here. I'm going to quickly – piggyback off that to wrap up and then definitely want you to tell us about your show, Jeff, um, I guess expectations for this year, and that's kind of a good, good way to, I guess, wrap it in a way. Obviously we don't know what's going to happen with, with Watson because of how many games he will or won't miss. Um, let's just say he kind of plays half the season. Um, what's the expectations for the Browns given that their roster is deep in a lot of different spots with or without their starting quarterback in tow. Um, what, what what are your expectations for this year? And if it is a missed season, um, you know, are they still committed to Stefanski and the whole group here? If if it's just kind of a you know a little bit of a short term loss with with this season.
0: See for me, and I'll, and I'll start here with that. Um, you cannot look for at this season, and if Deshaun Watson ends up missing a critical amount of time, if all the time of the twenty twenty two season. I don't know how you tell Andrew Barry or Kevin Stefanski they're done. Um, Yeah, this is maybe a move they were interested in, but there is not a general manager in the NFL that can give away $238 million guaranteed without his owner saying, All right, let's go. Um, You're not going to be able to give away three first round picks without ownership signing off. Um, So I don't know how, you know, look, you know, if it's really, really bad, you know, maybe Kevin Stefanski could be in the hot seat. But, you know, this was. It was a move obviously everybody was on board with. Um, and if anybody is surprised that Deshaun Watson's going to see some sort of, you know, significant suspension time, I don't believe anybody in that room is that naive. I don't believe anybody within those rooms is that foolish, except for maybe possibly an owner um, at times. But um, and as far as the expectations, look, I mean, we're talking about a really, really solid defense. And, yes, we can say, oh, well, defensive tackle doesn't look that great. That's fine. You know, the Browns can play, you know, go seven, eight, nine deep in the defensive back. You have a player like Jer- Jeremiah uso who just started to scratch the surface last year. One of these players who is built like safety, runs like a safety, and can play linebacker. Um, they can get to a point with Chase Winovich, with Jadavian Clowney, with Miles Garrett, with one of the two rookies where they can go NASCAR package anytime they choose and run a bunch of freakish athletes as pass rushers. Um, I think wild card is... is regardless of who the quarterback of this team is, wild card should be a solid and significant goal for this team. Uh, you look within the AFC North, obviously, you know, Cincinnati for right now, you know, riding the high, um, but you look at, you know, Pittsburgh. Look, I mean, you know, everybody just assumes Kenny Pickett is going to come in and what do, you know, do what Ben Roethlisberger did for 17 years. Um, Kenny Pickett is, you know, grew up 20 minutes from me. God bless him. I hope he has a great NFL career, but we can't assume any of that. Um, then you also look at the Ravens and whatever anybody wants to say about the Ravens. It's really, really strange that Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson, at the stages of their career, are right now sitting here in the same contractual spot. To say that that's going on right now, and look, the Ravens could say, "Oh, well, Lamar can sign his deal at any time he wants." Has anybody ever known anybody to not say, "Oh, sure, I'll sign the two hundred fifty to three hundred million dollar contract"? I mean, until that, you know that there is a future there. Beyond 2022 for Lamar Jackson, and the Ravens, it's kind of hard to believe that 2022 will go any better than 2021. Yes. The AFC is loaded. We'll see how it plays out. Um, the Browns do get to play the jets. We'll see where the dolphins are at those type of teams as they get, you know, the AFC East, just like the Bengals do. But I I think this is a team that is built to contend either way. I mean, are the aspirations and the goals higher for the more Deshaun Watson can play? There's no question about it. Um, but if you're telling me that you can get Jacoby Brissett to do some of the good that Baker Mayfield did last year and just avoid the two, three, four interceptions on Christmas Day against the Green Bay Packers, game even with four interceptions, they probably still could have won two or three different times. If you can just get him to play within himself, play within the system, hit the wide open play action throws that are going to be there, this is a team that should certainly win more games than they're going to lose.
1: He's Jeff Lloyd of the Locked on Browns podcast. I'm going to pull up the website here, obviously available on your favorite audio streamers and multiple platforms. Jeff, tell us a little bit about your show, obviously where people can find it, where they can find you and your work, all of it.
0: Well, I've been hosting Locked on Browns since the fall of 2017. Um, you know, many people questioning my mental sanity at the time is like, you signed up to host 8.6 football team. Then, um, you know, 2018 around the team, you know, obviously the the entire state and thought process of the Cleveland Browns changed tremendously. Um, The the joys of 2020, um, you know, uh, every podcast, you know, where you get your favorite podcast, Lockdown Browns available. Um, Over the last six weeks, we have ventured into the YouTube area, you know, digital streaming. Everybody, this seems to be the way to go here now. Um, We finally have, after almost five plus years, added a uh, co-host in Garrett Bush um, entrenched in Cleveland, works for 92 to three, the fan in Cleveland, part of the older Cleveland sports. show, um, and it's really, it's, it's taken off to this point. And we, you know, it's, for me, it's different because you know now I'm a little bit more of uh, maybe the analyst of the show as I was, you know, always the host of the lockdown Browns podcast. Um, but the growth of the show that, you know, the reception for everything that we're doing, it's just been tremendous to this point. Uh, you know, certainly looking forward to, you know, trips out to Ohio, this football season, uh, so it's been a hell of a ride, you know, to this point and just seeing, you know, basically getting it to one place and then finding a way to get it even bigger to where it is. I can be followed at Jeff, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd uh, at Locked on Browns for the podcast, Um, you know, on social medias, you know, uh, wherever you can get your podcasts, you know, of course, we're available there, and of course, on YouTube. Um, Just, you know, it's it's just it's been a hell of a ride. And I think the thing with the Browns is, It's been such an apples and oranges type of thing the last few years. You know, 18 great, 19 not so much, 20, which is essentially a Super Bowl season if you're a Cleveland Brown fan, and then all that going into 2021, and, oh, here comes the heartbreak again. If anything, for Browns fans, if you're going by the, you know, up one year, down one year, 2022 looks like it should be pretty positive.
1: We'll see. We will definitely see. But thank you for your time, Jeff. We definitely appreciate it. Go check out the Locked on Browns podcast and uh, appreciate all your time. I know we took a lot of it, but this was awesome. And thank you for educating us on all things Browns (laughs) this season and uh, go check out the podcast, everybody. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it. A lot of interesting nuggets there. And uh, Are you surprised about the optimism he holds there, John?
2: Not necessarily. I've known Jeff for a few years. He tends to look at things in a glass half full type of situation, but I can definitely understand it from the perspective of the Browns are objectively like a really good team. Like there's just no glaring yeah. holes on that roster. Obviously the optics of the Watson situation are terrible and like they should be addressed as such. But I think people have to reconcile with the fact that he will eventually play for the Cleveland Browns. And when he does, that team is going to be really good and, And I think from a long-term perspective, that's plenty to be optimistic about from a pure football stance. And again, we can have the whole discussion about, you know, how good is it actually. But no, there's plenty, I think, of objectively solid football reasons to be excited if you are a fan of the Browns. And it just might have to take a year to eventually get to that point.
1: Yep. Uh, they, there's talent there. There's, there's no doubt about it. It's always been, then they've had talented teams in the past. It's always just been about harnessing that talent and, and moving forward and, and being consistent. They just yeah. can't seem to get out of their own way in a lot of respects. And uh, you know, you, you don't want to say that that's immediately going to happen here with the, with the Watson Baker issue here. But um, as we all know, that's, that's not the the greatest situation going on there. <laughs> Uh, we're going to get out of here with a remember when quickly and, uh, drop the mic and get on out of here. John, I'm going to rewind for the remember when this week, I'm going to rewind back to the year 1996 with the Cincinnati Bengals. And I am going to talk about running backs and obviously the running back that everybody thinks I'm going to be talking about is... Their high pick from a year prior in Kajana Carter, who tore up his knee and was never quite the same with the Bengals. But I am not going to talk about Kajana Carter. I'm going to talk talk about a different guy. I'm going to show you a picture and see how many smart and longtime Bengals fans we have out there. Who is this guy, John? Do Do you know who that is?
2: Uh, Not a clue, actually. Torrey James, I know he was 20, but that's not the right uniform. So, (laughs) Not the right uniform and
1: not the right year. No, that, sir, is Garrison Hurst. And Garrison Hurst is a guy who was a high-profile running back, a guy who was a number three overall pick with the then Phoenix and then turned into Arizona Cardinals team, lasted three years there, and they cut him in his rookie contract because of similar issues. Going on with Kajana Carter, ineffectiveness, injuries, and obviously injuries leading to ineffectiveness, all of that. Although he did, Garrison Hurst, did have a 1,000-yard rushing season the year before joining the Bengals. But the year prior, I mean, it was like basically just over 100 yards total. Uh, excuse me. It was just over um about 400 yards or so rushing and then two you know three total touchdowns on the ground. I mean just really wasn't the player that they expected coming out of Georgia being one of the best players in college football. Well, the Bengals grabbed him on the cheap and kind of said, "Look, we've got some uncertainty here now with things going on with our our supposedly star running back and as you know, John back then it was, you know, a 3,000-yard passing season was kind of like a big, big milestone. It was all about the running backs. It was like, it used the running backs a lot. And here is what Garrison Hurst did. And so remember when Garrison Hurst, and if you don't, that's okay, but remember when Garrison Hurst was a Bengal, and I'm pulling up pro football reference here. As kind of a backup guy, he did have just 3.8 yards per carry. That was Willie Anderson's rookie year, by the way, in 1996. But – a respectable 847 yards. there, um, basically almost a 1000 yard from scrimmage season. You see their yards from scrimmage 978. The weird thing, the big goose egg on the ground yet again for Garrison Hurst, and then one touchdown receiving, but was a very respectable weapon for the Cincinnati Bengals in that and really a guy that They needed to step up because Kajana Carter was not really himself. And where did all of those rushing touchdowns go, John? Because they needed to, the Bengals needed to justify that pick and make sure that they did not have egg on their face with the Kajana Carter pick. Let's look at his stats. Look at that. Eight touchdowns on the ground for Kajana Carter, who was relegated to goal line type of back. You see that 2.9 yards per attempt on the ground for Kajana Carter in his first year back from that injury. Obviously, Carter never was the same after that. Did have seven touchdowns the year after as well. But just when you look at it, one game played, three games played, you know, it goes on and on. Still, what happened with Garrison Hurst and what he was able to do after that was pretty incredible. He was on those early 2000 teams with Jeff Garcia in San Francisco Jeff Garcia, Terrell Owens. I think they still had Rice there for a couple of years at the end there, um, and that you know those were very, very huge playoff, uh, you know, very exciting playoff type of teams. And Hurst was a major, major part of that. I think he had a 1,500 yard rushing season with San Francisco. Ended up down the road winning Comeback Player of the Year, so he ended up kind of having a really nice resurgence. And really, it kind of started a little bit. He had a pretty decent year the year before with the Cardinals, but it kind of kick-started things, and Cincinnati is the backup, quote-unquote, to Kajana Carter, even though he was the guy that kind of did the work in between the 20s, and Kajana Carter did the did the rest from there. So Garrison Hurst, a guy that was only with the team for a year, but a guy that uh, was an exciting player during
2: a, a pretty dismal season overall. Garrison Hurst, phenomenal name. I will say, the like, A-plus name. Yeah, that's like strong guy name, right? Like that's that's the name that I would uh, picture someone like finishing drives with, with eight touchdowns <laughs> and <I> nine <don't laughs> carries. To be honest with you, but yeah, I've never I've never heard of that uh, name before. But as you as you pulled up, like he was really productive out like as well with other teams outside of his one year with Cincinnati. Like that's crazy though, because at, at least seeing uh, both his and Carter's stats, I think they what did they combine for like four hundred or almost 500 rushing attempts or something like that they were both no 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 sorry Carter Carter was 91 but still like 220 or 250 rush attempts for Garrison Hurst not a single rushing touchdown is a pretty remarkable feat to to be sure but yeah that's that's quite the it's quite the fine right there
1: yeah and here's here's the just to show it again real quick here's what I was talking about you see the, the 1070 on the ground. But then look at what he did with San Francisco, man. It was 10, 1019, four touchdowns. And he was really, look at this season, 2000, 2,100 yards from scrimmage, man. I mean, yeah. I mean that's just crazy. And then he had this weird avascular necrosis thing going on. I think it was from an old injury type of deal. And it set him back for two years. He didn't play football for two years. Comes back in 2001 and has a 1,200-yard season on the ground with San Francisco. I mean, that, That's ridiculous. Uh, that's, and he's then, an unsung you
2: know, hero. Like yeah, honestly, I, I feel like no one knows about him.
1: Yeah, it's kind of the 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 thing with his career. I mean, I think he was a guy. I was I was thinking back. I'm like, did he win the Heisman? Because he was outstanding. And I'm looking, and I don't I don't think he won the Heisman that year um, because he got overlooked. And so then he ended up go you know parlaying this season with Cincinnati into one with San Francisco or into a few with San Francisco where he won the comeback player of the year and everything. So. Remember when Garrison Hurst was a bangle And it's okay if you don't because it was a while ago. It was for one season and it was a pretty decent one.
2: Yeah, It was, I think it was five months old when that was happening. So, yeah. Don't remember that, but <laughs> I will add it to my notebook that is continuing to grow every single week that we have these remember wins. I, I hope that you're not going to quiz me though because I will not. I okay, will not. That's good. Yeah. that's good. I will not. Well, let's drop the mic and get out of here, man. What do you got for us? Nothing much. I read a, a pretty good article, though, on Yahoo Sports today. It was written by Shalise Manza Young, and it was about Joe Burrow kind of going against the grain compared to other NFL quarterbacks, specifically like just being a white athlete in general. And yeah, I, I just think it's interesting in the past month or so when Burrow's made comments or if, has posted certain things and he's getting a lot of praise for doing so. And also, to me, it just feels like, I don't know, it's it's a weird balance between recognizing him more or less doing the bare minimum upon talking or sharing things regarding certain issues, um, certain social issues. But at the same time, for someone in his position where there's potentially a lot on the line in terms of like the value of, of his word and also the position, the platform that he has, it's almost like there's a different standard there's a different bar that those athletes and those people just have to i guess reach in order to be deemed as someone who's doing a lot and i think it's it's an interesting dynamic it's an interesting it's an interesting discussion and you know if you're interested in maybe a fresh perspective compared to your own i would definitely check out the article on yahoo sports it's titled joe burrow continues to speak out on important issues unlike his nfl quarterback contemporaries i, I think it's definitely interesting if you want to check it out and yeah, I think it, it puts into a good it puts into a good perspective on something that I've been thinking about, but have had a hard time kind of putting in towards. So I would definitely recommend reading that.
1: Yeah, good find. I, I did not see that, so I will have to check that out. Um for sure. That's that sounds very interesting and um yeah, good find there. Uh I don't I don't have much except for that we have a couple of, of forthcoming announcements that will be unveiled here in the near future. Um, guests and all kinds of different things in which we have been working on. I know this is this part of the season is you know a little a little slower just because you know the on field work isn't as isn't as much and the games aren't being played and playoffs and are way out of the you know all kinds of stuff. Draft all that stuff is in the rearview mirror. But we appreciate you sticking with us and we've got some we're we're trying to get creative in terms of guests and different things that we're doing. So we're we we can't exactly uh drop everything and let you know yet but just know that we've got a lot of a lot of different things in the works that we feel that could be pretty exciting for this show and the website and all kinds of different things so um that's really all i have and john best of luck with the move my friend Um, i hope i know you're doing this to kick off your holiday weekend here so to speak but i hope you get time i hope you knock it out quickly and i hope you are able to have some fun, find, find uh, time to have some fun. I know? will
2: definitely make some time uh, after Friday. I don't want to see a box. Honestly, <laughs> we, that, that will happen.
1: Packing is the worst packing in the DMV.
2: That's what we've considered
1: <laughs> to be the worst there for sure. Have a good, have a good weekend, John. And uh, we will talk to everybody very soon. Take care, have a happy and safe July 4th, everybody.